I'm Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing life stories, interviews, and information that I know will be of value to you and to your life and to the lives that you touch. If you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I hope that this is a place where you feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode of I Used to Be a Therapist, we get to welcome my friend Robin Travis. I'm so excited to introduce her to you. She's become one of my favorites. Robin has worked in the mental health field and specializes in eating disorders. She's done that for over 20 years. She's a licensed professional counselor in Oregon and studied marriage and family therapy in Southern California, where she received her bachelor's in psychology and master's in counseling psychology from California Baptist University. She's worked at all levels of care, including inpatient, residential, partial hospital, intensive outpatient, and now is in private practice. When Robin moved to Oregon several years ago, it quickly became a passion of hers to create resources for folks with eating disorders. This is because she realized there's a huge need in our community. So Robin opened the Oasis Center for Counseling and Wellness in 2015. This center in Kaiser, Oregon was created as a holistic eating disorder treatment resource for the community. It also became a training facility for clinicians who wanted to learn more about treating these clients. This past month, Robin closed the Oasis Center. This was a big change in her life. However, she is still a strong community advocate for eating disorders and suicide prevention. She continues to work with families and schools to help them gain awareness of this disorder. In our conversation, we talked a lot about being a counselor, but it's not just for therapists. We talked about change, expectations, challenges, and we talked about being vulnerable. We talked about identity. Something I noticed in this interview as I talked with my friend, I noticed that I still identify myself as a therapist at times. It was kind of funny. I included myself in the we, the group of counselors. It was interesting to me to see how I still do this. It's a journey to change the way you think about who you are. So here's Robin Travis. She's a wife, mom, grandma, and she's my friend. Let's listen in on our conversation. Welcome, my friend. I'm so glad you're here. I really am. I'm so glad you're here. Like, honestly, we're going to just have a conversation. It's all going to be fun. And I'm really excited. Oh, thank you for having me. So Robin, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, I'm married and I have uh, one biological child and two stepchildren, blended family and Uh a new grandbaby, seven months old. He's really cute. I saw him on Facebook. Yeah, he makes my world light up. And I have two dogs. Um, So first of all, tell us about the business that you had and how and why it started. 
Okay, so the Oasis Center is still uh, practicing right now. Uh, I started the Oasis Center when I discovered that the community did not have enough resources to treat the eating disorder population. Most people were doing outpatient private practice individually, and to treat eating disorders cohesively, you really need a nutritionalist, a dietitian. Well, for the sake of time and wording, I'll say uh, RDs. Mm -hmm. And so you really need an RD and a therapist to treat them together. And so uh, I was the first one in the community to bring the two together under one roof to really treat the person with an eating disorder as well as you need a kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> so you really need those resources that's right and right. you and we didn't have that in this community at all no, no and you had this passion and really took the bull by the horns or whatever and you made it happen in the community and that was something we really really needed and has been a big impact here we really did need a, to bring a lot of providers together to treat this population and to learn it and to have mm-hmm. someone facilitate training people up to do this kind of work. And so I just kind of gathered a bunch of people together and started the Oasis Center so that people would have a central hub to come to. I love that. So now, huge change is happening. You're closing the Oasis Center. Yes. After five years of Mm -hmm. doing this work, I think the community has gotten enough information and really enough people know uh, and are more aware of what it takes to treat eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of work to to build a, a big business like that. Sure. And... I think it takes away from me being able to be present with my clients at times, Mm -hmm. just so much administrative work, running a business. And my real passion is sitting across the couch from people and helping them heal. Sure. Did you expect to do that? To close? Mm -hmm. Uh, No, no. It it actually came to me. I realized that 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 actually is going to be more beneficial to the community in the long run because it really would force other people to really begin to seek their own journey in trying to help people with eating disorders. And Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to focus more on, on the client. Mm -hmm. How did you come to that decision? I mean, it's kind of a big decision, especially when that wasn't in your expectations. No, I I was on this big journey to grow really big. And then uh, I had some major challenges as a therapist. Uh, I had to go through a a board investigation Mm -hmm. um, from a colleague who had uh, filed a complaint. And I think that investigation really uh, allowed me to reflect on on what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to work with the tons of people with with different backgrounds and different views and and variety of of personalities or did I just really want to focus on my passion and what I want to do and I think that risk that that I was taking in training up a lot of people and then the board uh, investigation uh, really regrounded me into rethinking what I where I wanted to spend my energy yeah so it kind of brought clarity even though it was a horrible experience right yeah exactly and I can thank you for part of that yeah. journey for just um meeting with me and talking with me um in our experiences and, and that's our trauma bonding yeah absolutely right. <laughs> that's true so now that you've made this kind of this decision you've made this decision to close and to move forward and you kind of have a vision of where you're headed um do you worry about other people? Like, I know that's a big, 
when big changes happen and you had to change your expectations, sometimes people haven't followed you yet, right? <laughs> and their expectations are still the same. And so are you worried about other individuals or... I am. I, I think I was more worried about the community. I had gone out to really advocate for other treatment mm-hmm. programs to come into the community for other people to do this kind of work because I, I knew that I would be closing. And it does take you know many months to close a business um, sure. as big as it had gotten. And the people that in our community and the people I've been working with, um, it's hard to to not want to close for them. But I needed to close for myself. I needed sure. to end this one journey and continue another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and after you decide that, uh, then other people are impacted. You know, you you have to lay off people and you have to make some changes and mm-hmm. uh, decide how you're going to structure your own private practice. Mm-hmm. So it's a big it's a big deal. It is a big deal for the community. But when you meet people like in the when you see them in the store or you see them out while you're walking and you know, your dog or whatever, do you feel like you need to explain yourself or how does that? I, I did. It's a good, it's a good question you're bringing up because I just went to a conference in Utah mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting because when you introduce yourself or you tell people, Oh, I'm the creator of the Oasis center. Oh, I know about the Oasis mm-hmm. center. And Oh, I've heard so many great things. You've done so much great things in your community. And then I tell them, Oh, well we're closing. And and I think that's just a hard conversation to mm-hmm. have is, Oh, we're, we're closing the doors. Why? And so then you do have to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It seems that people are really understanding as to why, but it's also a huge financial investment when you have a big business. It absolutely is. Yeah. And you were just talking about that, that it does have uh, kind of an impact on your identity, right? Absolutely. So how does that work for you? How, have you, how have you worked through that or have you, or are you in the middle of it? I, I'm actually, I'm, I think I'm in the middle of it. Sure. <laughs> I'm in the middle of this identity shift because I'm, I'm going from, uh, running this business and this vision I had of being a director and, and a supervisor to really reevaluating, uh, my retirement phase of my mm-hmm. life and, and whether I want to continue to be a therapist as part of my journey and my identity mm-hmm. and when, when I started to ask myself that question about uh, my future, I began to think, what what would I do or who would I be without being a therapist? Mm-hmm. It is kind of a, <laughs> it's a big deal, right? Like I used to be a therapist, right? And that, because it was a big yeah. thing for me as well. Um, let's talk about being a therapist a bit. I think this is a good time to talk about this. We, we have talked several times about the challenges that um, come with being a counselor. So one of the things that we were talking about the other day over lunch was just identifying yourself, right? Using this identity and identifying yourself as a counselor or as a therapist. Um, when you introduce yourself, hi, I'm Robin and I'm a counselor or you're on an airplane or whatever. And what do you do? I'm a counselor. So what happens when you introduce yourself as a therapist? So, so I avoid it. I, I avoid it as much as I sure. can. This is a huge thing in my life. Um, I'll avoid talking about 
oh, I was at work the other day because the next question is, oh, what do you do for a living? People always seem to ask that so quickly. And when you tell people that you're a counselor or a therapist, uh, immediately they have a gazillion questions for you and they uh, want to tell you all about their experience. And especially if I tell them I specialize in eating disorder, it seems like everybody knows someone who has an eating disorder and they want to talk about it. And I, I think it becomes just this hyper focus on me and, and what's going on with me and, and who I am and what I do. And so it does um, really expand your identity as this, yeah. this, this huge piece of who you are. So if you didn't do it anymore, I don't know what would happen to my identity. It is a it is a hard thing to know how to identify yourself or how to label yourself when you don't do that anymore, right? Right. So you had told a story though. You told me a story about going to a massage therapist. Yes. So anywhere I go, uh, and people ask me what I do for a living. I, so I was getting a massage one day, and the massage therapist said, "Oh, what do you do?" I don't even remember how the conversation got started. Like I said, I avoid it so much that somehow it just always comes up. And when I told him what I did for a living, the whole massage became about what I did. Mm -hmm. Question after question and, and story after story. And it's anywhere I go, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a little overwhelming. Yeah, I am sure that most therapists have this experience. It's just, it's very common to, to our, our profession. Well, your profession. <laughs> Well, and another thing that happens when you tell people that you're uh, in this field is they immediately want to tell you about their cousin's uh, brother or sister that mm -hmm. had this and what do you think about it and what your opinion. So basically, you're working outside of your work. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's not just people that you meet on the street, for example, or in, in a massage, you know, when you're getting a massage, it's not people that you meet just on an airplane, but it actually impacts your relationships like your friends your friendships absolutely it's very hard to actually be a friend when you're a therapist I, I think it's hard because you, you do this for a living you listen to people and want to help them and support them and then that blurs over into your personal life and your friends want your support and help and guidance and it's very hard to separate the two mm -hmm. and then you become the counselor for your friends and then and then you're you're in this world of, well, who is counseling you? Where, mm -hmm. where, you know, who is the one that's actually going to be your counselor? Right. So is it hard for you when you have friends that want to tell you their issues, right? And want your advice basically as their shrink, right? Is it hard for you then to change the role you change over from a, from a role of a therapist to a friend and be able to um, talk about your own stuff? Like, is that a difficult transition? It, it is. I, I think two things happen. One is when your friends are asking you for advice, you begin to go into this clinical mode with them. And it's very different from what a friend would do. It's very different, the advice a friend might give. And you just automatically go into that. I think it's just really just this automatic reaction. And also, I think that um, I, I want to avoid my friend's problems. All of us have things we want to 
share with our friends, but I have a habit of wanting to avoid their problems because I deal with uh, so many on a daily basis that I actually, I just, I think I just want to find happiness and enjoyment and, and don't want to talk about people's problems outside of work. Yeah. And so that creates some difficulty and some relational issues, right? It, It does. Because friendship, you know, to get deeper, you need to share those things. But hearing those stories all the time from people and holding them, you know, like we do, holding them in ourself and that that makes it really hard to have space or margin really for our own friendships and not just friendships, but I would say even like your partner, your husband, your, you know, those kind of really intimate relationships, it's hard. I mean, have you found that difficult to find the margin in there? Yes. My, my colleagues and I were just having this discussion over lunch at the office just the other day in how we are so emotionally drained when we get home instead of a physical drain mm-hmm. that it's hard for us to process things. Mm-hmm. And so if our husbands have a hard day and they come home and they're, it's hard for us to really be present with them. Mm -hmm. Um, because we need a little bit of a break from that. Right. And we don't also, I think the, another hard thing is that they have a hard day at the office, right? And air quotes, um, they tell us about their hard day and all of the things that are really hard for them. But as a therapist, if you go home and you talk to your, you know, you say, I have a hard day. That's all you can say. Right. 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 So how is that for you? Like keeping confidentiality, what does that do for you? So just like we tell our clients not to do, we have to stuff a lot of stuff. It's kind of part of the job. It's part of what we do is we have to carry all that stuff with us. And so uh, this may sound cliche, but uh, self-care is a huge part of being a very effective therapist for long term. I mean, you can't be a therapist for over 20 years and, and, continue to do this unless you have really good self-care. Absolutely. You can't. It reminds me so much of this book. Um, it's by Francine Rivers. And as actually, I think there's actually a movie that was made out of it. It's called The Last Sin Eater. And the whole premise of it is that there's this community in the Ozarks, I think, that they believe that there is that the way to get to heaven is that you have to have somebody take your sin basically after you die. And so after somebody dies, they would put this um, food on their grave and they chose, they had chosen somebody by lot, right? They threw dice and they chose somebody to be the sin eater and they had to live outside of the community. They couldn't live with the community. And so whenever anybody died, they came into the community and ate the food off of the grave. And that was like symbolic of them taking the sin of this person into them. And they were the one who was basically took one for the team, right? And they were the ones that would end up paying for all those sins and everybody else could go to heaven. And so this was this idea and the book is called The Last Sin Eater and how they changed that, that tradition after, because it was a real tradition, I guess, in the Ozarks like years and years and years and years ago. 
So, but sometimes I felt, I remember reading that book and then as a therapist, I would feel like that, right? Like we're the sin eater that we take right. all of these things in and you're talking about stuffing it, you know, we take these things into our gut and we have to keep it for right. them so that they don't have to keep it right. anymore. Right. And we don't get to just go say it, like go home and sit with our husbands and say, Oh, guess what happened today? Right. Right. So how, how is that for you? I mean, does that make sense? Does that read? Well, this is, this is one of the reasons why creating a group practice where you bring so many people together is very helpful because you do consult and discuss those. And so I think that's the outlet that is helpful is my colleagues and I are able to talk about our shared cases Mm -hmm. and experiences as well as the consult groups in the community where you go out and you talk about some things, some hard things, and people are very supportive in helping give you feedback in, in how to deal with some of the challenges it is. So I think Isolating and working alone is a little bit harder for people to to practice good mm-hmm. self care. Yeah, and I would say maybe even dangerous. So I, I know that when I quit being a therapist, it took. Uh, I mean, it was really really hard, but I also under started understanding the toll that it was taking on me even more so than I understood when I was in it because I understood the margin that I had after, like after I quit my margin and my ability to manage my friends and my partners, my, you know, my husband's emotions, right. was so much greater. Absolutely. So it really is a, um, it's a price, right. That you pay to do that. But what a, what a gift also to give to people. When you have personal challenges while you're doing this kind of work, um, the burden becomes heavier on your soul. And Mm -hmm. so to do good self, help in ways of, you know, reading books or mm-hmm. support groups or getting your own therapist to, right. to talk to. I was going to ask that, um, how, I mean, what do you do when you need a counselor? What do you <laughs> do when you need a therapist? Where do you go? So we're very critical as far as and and really critique other therapists. Uh, I've had to interview several to find someone that uh, really just gave me the space to talk because I really didn't need them to tell me how to fix my problems <laughs> and fix what was going on with me. I just needed that that presence and that space and that um, person that I can go to and really express my authentic, true self. And I didn't have to feel like I had to have it all together as a therapist. Uh huh. That's hard to find. It is. And and I would I would say that it's not just hard for you, but it's hard for the therapist. <laughs> Right? Like, can you imagine? It's kind of, it's kind of intimidating, especially when, you know, you have somebody who has so much experience and you come in and you're like, hi, y'all need to just do what I know is best for me right right now. Because, yeah, it's intimidating for the therapist. So, my husband always says, well, who counsels the counselors? You know, who's the therapist for the therapist? And I said, well, you, I don't know. You just have to go out and find them and yeah. find a good fit. And, and I think that's hard and it's challenging. Yeah, it's very challenging. And I think f- what's, what's really hard is like we second guess them all the time. Right. Well, one of the ways that I found that was the most helpful for me, going back to telling people whether or not you're a counselor, mm-hmm. was I found a group uh, and I'd made the choice 
to enter into this group and in other communities. So nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew I was a therapist. Uh, nobody knew my name and that I owned the Oasis Center and did all this stuff in our community. And I was able to be really, really present and authentic. And everybody asked me every day what I did for a living. And I said, well, I don't really think that's important right now. And I got to be my most genuine, authentic self without this identity of being a therapist in this group. And I spent several months in this group and it was very, very therapeutic for me as a person. Oh, that's such a good idea to go someplace where you're kind of anonymous, right? Right. But if you are anonymous, then it's very, it, it's on you to let yourself be real. Right. And because there is no expectation from another person or there's, there are no expectations from the group or that you would be because they don't know. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So it, it's on you then to be real and to let yourself get past your own identity, right? Because you're the one who knows. Right. Much like we tell our clients all the time to remove that mask and lower that and be vulnerable and transparent and do that. I think to be a really effective therapist and be healthy and healing of self, you have to do that in your personal life. You have to do what you really do teach other people to Mm do. Yeah. You got to be smoking what you're selling. Exactly. (laughs) You absolutely do have to be smoking what you're selling because if you're not you aren't going to take anybody past where you're at. Right. So, right. Yeah. So I would love to hear maybe some advice for some other therapists that are out there listening or just maybe even people who just find it hard to be real. Right. So not even who people aren't therapists, but they find it hard to let themselves be real. And for sure, therapists. So I noticed this in a lot of the consult groups and the meetings I go to, Uh, people are very honest about how difficult and challenging this field is. And I think my advice would be to be more real about that, to talk more about how difficult it is and not feel as though you have to be really good at what you do and you can't talk about the challenges. And that was part of being a supervisor and hearing interns talk about encourage interns to talk about how difficult this is. Uh, I think the being more truthful about that open. Good. That is a really big, it's a big, important step. And so for counselors to be very authentic with other therapists about how hard this job is. Absolutely. And then for people who just find it hard to be real or who maybe they're not therapists, what is some advice that you give maybe even to your clients of how to open up and be vulnerable? Well, I think everybody on their own individual journey can can figure out what works for them. But what I think really worked for me was just being able to be my real self and not have to feel like I had everything together. Um, because clients always think that therapists have at their whole world is just, just this wonderful um, fairy tale and everything's great because they know how to help themselves with all their problems. But it's so different when it's you. Mm-hmm. And so I think just really going out there and, and trying to be more vulnerable with getting your own therapist, joining a group, uh, really trying to be more real with people mm-hmm. and, and, and let people know that you're struggling. I mean, I think one of the ways it was so great that we met was because yeah. we bonded over our struggle mm-hmm. and we were brought together and, and that really helped me go through my struggle. Yeah. I've heard people say 
that people who don't have any problems and people who don't share their problems or they don't share their issues or their struggles or their failures with other people are actually really mostly useless to somebody else who's going through some trials. So our, even as a therapist, we, we really can be ineffective and make ourselves ineffective if we aren't willing to be vulnerable to some level, even yes. with our clients. And that doesn't mean sharing, you know, that doesn't mean sharing everything with your clients by any means. Please don't do that ever. But it does mean being able to identify the feelings of failure, right? Right. Identify the feelings of whatever the traumas that happened to us and to identify with, yes, we did go through that. And that of course feels like this. And I have felt like that. So I, I think, I think when I'm sitting across the couch for my clients and they're sharing, uh, and you know, they're emotionally touched and I'm feeling emotionally touched and, and I feel like we're sitting on the couch just talking as two humans about our struggles. Um, they're talking about their struggles and I'm trying to support them with it. Mm -hmm. um, but inside my own mind and body, I can authentically relate to them. Like I really know that they're struggling. I've struggled with things like that in my life. And mm -hmm. so I can really connect. And that connection somehow seems to virtually transcend between client and therapist. And then they feel much safer. It's real empathy. It is. Right. It's and, genuine. And so Brene Brown my favorite. She says that you can't, I mean, her research states that you cannot heal shame without empathy and you cannot get empathy without vulnerability. So in order to receive empathy, you have to be vulnerable. Absolutely. And so that's like the only way to get rid of the shame in our life is to be vulnerable with people and to get somebody have somebody be empathetic with you and Absolutely. that's true empathy I think that's that's wonderful okay thank you so much I have three questions for okay. you here they are these are the three questions I'm asking everybody on my podcast first one a pivotal event that changed you I'm sure there's tons but I just want one that's easy uh moving to Oregon uh was uh, California is so it's like a different world than Oregon uh, people here are just much more relaxed and laid back and more authentic and real. Uh, so moving here changed my life because I was able to really morph my, who I am as a person and, and really be able to experience life a little bit better. I love that. Okay. Second question, a person in your life who changed you? Oh, well, my new grandson, oh. it really, that's one of the reasons, so true, right? absolutely. One of the reasons why I made the decision to close the Oasis Center was, uh, so that I could actually be more open to other things in life that I, I really want to be. And I want to be a part of my grandson's life and he lives in California. So I have to travel a lot. Oh, yeah. being a Grammy is like the best thing in the entire world. That's what they told me. And I didn't believe it until I was one. I know. You can't, you can't even explain it. Yes. Like, honestly, I really did think I loved my kids, but I was wrong. Yeah. The grandson. The grandchildren. <laughs> I mean, my kids are great, whatever. But my grandkids, they are amazing. We had them over just the other day for uh, last night to make cookies and decorate them. And it was the best thing. Um, okay. The third question, a book that has changed you recently. 
so when you asked me that earlier, you said, think of a book. I, I struggled with that a little bit because uh, that opens up again to this personal vulnerability. But I think this is what we're talking about is being a good therapist means being real with people Absolutely. too. So um, I read a book last year called Done With Crying. It's the healing for mothers of estranged adult children. And uh, by Sherry McGregor, it's a great book. I actually recommended other friends that I knew read it. And I think that book uh, really helped me allow my, it helped me be more vulnerable about my own personal journeys and struggles and what I'm doing and allowed me to, to open up to other people because it's a very secretive pain that a lot of people carry is when mm -hmm. you have estranged children and nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. And so again, it reinforced that practice what we preach, be right. open, tell people, reach out for support. And so that book really, really changed me, I think. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much, honestly, for being here. Oh, Wendy, I, it's my pleasure. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to just be able to share about anything that would help anyone. Good. Thanks a lot. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. After the interview was done, as I have been doing, I listened to it again it made me love Robin even more. She was vulnerable and insightful and just fun to be with. So I'm so glad she was with us. I love how she explained her transition right now as ending one journey and continuing another one. It's not stopping or ending altogether. It's starting a new revised journey. I also really related to her talking about identity. She says, like so many of us at one time or another, who would I be if I'm not who I think I am, right? Robin's creating change, and she's open to thinking about this question. We all need to intentionally ask ourselves. It helps us to be real clear on who our authentic self is. I really love this. And after listening again, I wanted to give some challenges specifically for my coaching and counselor friends out there. First, sometimes you may shy away and avoid talking about who you are when that makes sense, but be careful how and where you're able to be known, really known is important. Who are you letting in? Who really knows you? Make sure you're finding people. The second thing is after listening to so many people's traumas and their heartbreaks and their problems, it is hard to have emotional margin for your people, the people who really matter. So it becomes so easy to avoid people you love. We avoid their problems. Sometimes this is because it is really hard to know for yourself how to separate the therapist in you from the friend in your head, right? And even personal issues at times and challenges that we go through become heavy and sometimes they become heavier than they should be because of vicarious trauma or compassion fatigue. This is when it is vital for you to find a tribe, a consultation group, your own therapist or a coach. Don't do it alone. Remember alone is dangerous. Okay. Now my challenge for everyone. First, Find a place where you can feel secure about being vulnerable. Being your genuine, authentic self is really important. 
find a place you feel able to do this. It is so important to have a tribe of your own. You may be asking, how the heck do I let myself be real? Well, you start by talking about real things. You start by talking about hard things and sharing your struggles and your failures and find people who are in the arena with you. Remember the arena speech by Teddy Roosevelt? Or you can find people at least who have experienced their own arena and are willing to share and be vulnerable back. We all need people who will be able to understand and empathize and validate our experiences. We just do. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.